is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 72, operating on April 12th, 2021. This is Doug, and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, how was your week? It was great until the thunderstorms yesterday. So we had no forecast of thunderstorms from the National Weather Service. I called our guys who are um, more accurate. And they're mm-hmm. like, eh, you might see something. Wait, your, your guys who are more accurate than the, the National Weather Service? They are. No, because they're <laughs> specifically looking at the hubs. That's yeah. their job. Yeah. So they actually said, yeah, you could see something. I'm like, all right, everyone's saying I could see something. I'm looking at the radar, which has a thunderstorm cell to the southwest of Dulles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is a direct hit. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I might see something. Meanwhile, I'm making plans. All right, we have closing ramp. We have this new radar system that our company bought, which now, in the past, you'd see the thunderstorm, and then mm-hmm. I would have to estimate based on how far away it is. Yeah, what, what and time how fast it's going? Right. So I have to do a little calculation. But now it tells me, huh. and, dude, it was right on uh, to to the minute. So anyway, so, and this is happening at uh, like 3.45 and most mm-hmm. of our flights come in between 3.45 and 4 o'clock for the 5 yeah. o'clock rank. So there's the worst time. So we did close the ramp. It came in pretty fast, went out probably about 20 minutes. So some flights had arrived. So passengers were going into customs mm-hmm. and they're sitting there waiting for their bags because we can't complete. Like, oh, you can't unload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So just that 15 minutes was a real shock to the system because all these people are waiting. So now that delays the outbounds because now we're waiting for the bags. Yeah, that's crazy. I've, I've never thought of it that way, but it's almost like a supply chain. It really is. Yeah, customers get off pretty quickly, but then yeah. offloading, what is it, 20 cans off a of 787 of bags. Yeah. Huh. But I'll tell you, that's a good problem to have because the loads are coming back. And it's amazing how it's not anywhere close to what it was but it's still like a thousand people even with all these restrictions so mm-hmm. can you imagine international travel once the restrictions are lifted it's mm-hmm. going to be i think it's going to be better than it was in 2019 yeah a year from now yeah we we didn't have this in our news rundown but i, I just read before no. we came on that southwest is bringing back every single one of its flight attendants this summer oh that's great they're, they're recalling all of them so yeah it, it definitely it really is starting to pick up like that yeah and, you know, on Twitter, like the people who uh, tweet that are crew members, you see yeah. a lot of those. Hey, I just got called back. Hey, I'm going for my mm-hmm. recurrent. So it's good to see. Yeah, it's great to see. And then you have news, but you can't tell us. So no, it's, it's still it's still making its way <laughs> through the through the process. Like I said, hopefully I can mention something in a, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah things are <laughs> things are looking good uh, on my end, finally. So now um, we talked about the A330. Mm hmm. But you had not been on your A330 trip this month, and you just, you have on your way to work. Do you want to talk about where you are and how you got there? And- yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in down, a hotel in downtown Atlanta right now for a, a work trip. And as we talked about last week, I was on an A330 from Minneapolis to Atlanta. Dude, it, it was way too short. It was it was like it was just under two hours, which is nowhere near enough time to fully appreciate and enjoy the service, the airplane, et cetera. 
but I, I'm going to blame you. I'm going to blame you for, for what happened with my uh-huh. seat. It was supposed to be an A330 300. And yeah. I was, I was sitting in the last row so I could get that cabin, cabin <sighs> drama that we talked about. They downgaged it from a 300 to a 200, but they kept everyone in the same seat. Yeah. And I then was in the mini cabin behind the door. So I was, I ended up staring at a wall for the flight. No, I have pictures that you sent and you're okay, not I, in the first. I, I was in the second row, but I was, I was okay. right. I was right behind the wall, basically. <laughs> no, I, I can't blame right. you. I can't blame you for it, but no, it All was, right. it was awesome. The, the flight was great. Um, like I said, it was, it was just way too short. Well, way too short. But so Doug is flying with two coworkers from Sacramento to Atlanta on this carrier where their hub is Atlanta and they fly nonstop to Atlanta, <laughs> but Doug is everyone's travel agency. So they don't go nonstop. What did you do? We went to Minneapolis. Yeah. So Doug makes up the story and I'm like, well, what about your coworkers? Don't they want to go nonstop? And Doug's like, Oh no, they love connecting too. I know in the back of my mind, Doug is their travel agent. And he probably told them this is the only thing that's available. <laughs> no, they saw the nonstop <laughs> and they asked, but then when we, when we got to mini and, and we were all having drinks in the club, they made a comment. They were like, no, this is awesome. We wouldn't have been oh, able good. to do this otherwise. Yeah. And it's a nice time for you guys to talk. Yeah, probably about work. Okay, one more thing. So Doug gets all these perks because he's like a gold chain, um, you know, (laughs) medallion member. So Doug is sitting in first class while his coworkers, one of whom is his boss, Mm -hmm. (laughs) has to walk past him. (laughs) So on the first flight, Doug got a little comment. I can't say what they called you, but uh, yeah, as they're walking back and you're sitting in first. Well, part of, part of the reason for that was because on the first flight, I didn't get the upgrade initially, and it mm. showed zero seats available. And so we all basically boarded together. There were a uh, few people behind me. And when I yeah. scanned my boarding pass, it, it made a bleeping noise and and like, and the, the gate agent was like, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah, here's your new seat. Mm-hmm. And I was upgraded. Yeah. And they had asked me if I was getting upgraded on that flight, and I told them no. And uh-huh. then... I sit down in first class and they, they turn the corner and they see me and they're like, you lied to us. I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't know about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So that was flight one. So on flight two, this is a, an A330 wide body with a live flat seat. Mm-hmm. So as they're walking back to uh, the back of the plane, Doug not only gets a comment calling him a, a name, which I can't mention on air, <laughs> but he also gets a salute on the way back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So, um, but I have to give you some, uh, uh, some more, you know, I got to give you some more grief. Yeah. Doug is flying so much now. When I asked him what airplanes he was flying, you didn't even, you didn't even know. I didn't. That's unacceptable. I, I hate to make excuses, but can I give an excuse? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, we don't have to accept it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I booked this, uh, this flight probably about six weeks ago and in the in the intermediate six weeks and you've probably seen this at your airline any anything that's booked more than a month out right now changes Mm -hmm. so frequently that the schedules are not set they're not set the way they were pre-covid yeah so what what i had booked six weeks ago and the planes i looked at in the booking process six weeks ago aside from the a330 nothing was the same Okay. Everything has changed. The times for the flights had changed just in those six weeks. The aircraft types had changed. I don't remember when it was you asked me. I think, actually, I think I was at work, like in in the middle of getting ready for a, a conference call that I was about to be on. You're like, 
what kind of planes are you on? I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know. I haven't looked today to see what the switches were. And you're like, I'm taking your Avgeek card. <laughs> like, come on, man. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm on an MD95 tomorrow up to Philly. You're an MD95 to Philly, and mm-hmm. then Philly to Sacramento. When and on what? Wednesday back through here on another MD95, and then an A321 out to Sacramento. Okay. Oh, and you guys, Doug and his wife are going to be here next week in Washington yeah. for a wedding. So mm-hmm. we'll be able to hang out. I I think we are going to entrap our significant others into an episode. Like not, like <laughs> yeah, not, not even not, let them know not tell them. and yeah. just get a little... <laughs> All right, we got to get some work done. So Yeah, well, uh, we saw an article this week written by Fox Business titled Millions of Airline Miles Set to Expire, How to Save Them. With millions of travelers sidelined the last year and not accruing new miles, many accounts are set to expire in the coming months. The article explains some simple steps to track when miles will expire. Basically, the takeaway was set a calendar reminder and book your trip ahead of the expiration date. This really got us thinking about the miles we have and what we want to do with them before they expire. Before we get into uh, what we would pick, I didn't think that miles would expire. I thought it was a new thing where miles didn't expire. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of airlines still have that. Yeah. So um, one of the airlines, which I have a a boatload of miles, is Singapore Airlines. So I called them, you know, just on a whim, just to see what's up. My miles expire. I have to use them by November. Use them? Oh, oh, book it. Well, not use them, but assign them, Mm -hmm. I guess. So it's a real problem. We're not just like, this is not just, (laughs) we're not just speculating. This is going to happen. So we each picked out one Avgeek trip we'd book for podcast research quote unquote <laughs> and uh, and one non-avgi trip that we'd book with our significant others so doug what would you or what are you choosing to use up some miles when uh, we can travel freely again yeah this is this is mainly hypothet- hypothetical for me because i don't really have any miles that are close to expiring just because i've been traveling quite a bit during the last couple of months on multiple airlines however if i did have some that were expiring For our Avgeek trip, I would find something that we could fly in both the A380 and the 747-8. Oh, yeah. Because those are two two planes that we don't know how much longer they're going to be around. Even though Lufthansa said they're going to have it for a while still. Okay. They're going to be going the way of the dinosaur here in the next couple of years. And and the, the time to fly on those is is now. So I no 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 destination per se in mind. It it would just be where can we find something that we can get on one or both of those on the same trip. These Singapore Airlines miles, I have to have them booked by November. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be you or Robbie, whoever is available, because I got to put them on on the books. So the trip start, it was on our list, JFK to, to Singapore, mm-hmm. nonstop. So that Good. would be our research trip. But now that you, you just mentioned something, the A380 might be going away. Singapore Airlines is actually keeping them for a little bit so when i look on the schedule they are flying from kennedy to singapore via frankfurt Mm -hmm. it's a free stopover so we should do that yeah you know have an a380 on both legs and then you can cross that off your list because you may not get a chance to fly one if we don't soon we'll see um usually i go someplace february 11th around my birthday so that would be ideal if people are available and then I'm just going to go through the standby list. So it's going to be you and Robbie. And if you guys aren't available, 
Nate, Tyler, Greg, you know, yeah. I, I want to take someone who will appreciate it. For my for my significant other trip, Marissa and I were supposed to go to Buenos Aires a couple of years ago, and then the Zika virus outbreak happened. And so we we unfortunately had to cancel. And so that I think would, would probably be the trip that I would do with Marissa. So uh, a week or two in, in Buenos Aires, travel okay. around a little bit outside of there, but we really <laughs> want to get to Argentina. Who is flying there right now? Is uh, Delta is, is Delta Houston. is. Uh, I'm I'm guessing American is because American is one of the one of the leaders in that part of the world. Yeah. Have you been to Buenos Aires? I haven't. No. It's beautiful. Yeah. You'd love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's you're gonna feel like you're in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what the pictures look like, and that's always been top on our list for Marissa and me is Buenos Aires. What What about you for yours? For my uh, trip with Robbie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we haven't been to Sri Lanka in forever, so we got to go. And Singapore mm-hmm. is great, you know, great routings there. Yeah. But, um, you know, we have a dog that has diabetes that needs a shot twice a day. So <laughs> it's hard to leave him because he's, you know, we don't know how long he'll be with us. So, yeah. No, those, th- those all sound like great trips. Hopefully we can do that sometime soon. But we do have to get a little bit of work done. And we've largely been focusing on U.S. news the last several months, sp- sprinkling in some articles from overseas here and there. Well, most of our news this week is from abroad. Drew, you've got the first one. Let's start it off. Yeah, so this is something we've spoken about in previous episodes. This is from the Wall Street Journal. UK carriers push AirBridge to U.S. amid vaccination success. So British Airways and Virgin Atlantic are pushing for a test and quarantine-free travel corridor between the UK and US. US airlines are gearing up for a busy summer as leisure traffic has largely returned to pre-pandemic levels. International travel still remains depressed due to tight travel restrictions. This is squeezing airlines such as BA and Virgin that rely heavily on international traffic. The officials in both countries are in discussions, condition, are discussing conditions for lifting restrictions on international travel. This isn't the first time the industry has pushed for this idea, but this time it has the strongest chance of transpiring due to the vaccination efforts of both countries. What do you think? I think it'll work. I, I know we talked about it. What was it last fall? Yeah. And it was just a pipe dream at that point. Cases were yeah. rising still in, in the UK, all over the US, and nothing ever really transpired. But now that cases have, uh, they're rising in some states, they're dropping in others. It's, it's going to go up and down. But now that the vaccination is doing so well, both here in the US and in the UK, both countries have had a really good vaccination push. I can see this going through. But how do you gauge like what countries we should have this with i i kind of think we should do it by um maybe by covid positivity like if the positivity rate in both countries is similar mm-hmm. then what's the what's the risk right both yeah kind of the same. but if it's the u.s and brazil which is having a, a spike in mm-hmm. infections i don't know if a travel bubble would work because it's so different as far as the you know how the positivity rates yeah yeah i mean it's it's up to up to the officials who are doing this. But yeah, I think positivity rate could possibly be it. But I don't know. I, I think that this does have a very good chance of of going through. When? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how long it would take to to get something like this in place. Midsummer, maybe at this point. I, I don't know if, if it could be any earlier than that. It really is important for BA and Virgin. Yes, because this is this is 90% of their traffic is international. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm talking about BA that can also fly within Europe that's still international, but carriers like Singapore Airlines and Cathay Pacific, they really have almost zero traffic because those hubs are 
international hubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they can't fly any domestic flights. <laughs> yeah, from Singapore, there's no other. I don't know if there's another international airport. <laughs> no, I don't think there is. All right, All moving right. on to uh, to the next article. This is from Reuters. It says Japan Airlines to retire triple sevens with Pratt and Whitney engines after the United incident. As a reminder, that was what happened in Denver a month and a half ago or so. JAL already had planned to retire these planes, but moved the date up by a year. It's a relatively small fleet. It's only 13 mm-hmm. of their previously total of 40 triple sevens that they have. So they're going to have 27 GE powered triple sevens remaining in service. Most of these planes were operating domestic routes in Japan, which they're going to upgauge now, and they're going to have A350s flying these on the the domestic routes in Japan. Unrelated to the engine issues, this is just some more fleet information. Latam announced this week that it'll retire 13, all 13 of its A350s with immediate effect, and this will make it a Boeing-only long-haul aircraft operator. They say that it's a cost-cutting measure as South America continues to struggle with large COVID-19 numbers. Where are these 350s going to go? That's a good question. I mean, that's a very sought-after airplane right now. I would think that they might go to Delta because Delta is growing. That's their wide-body plane now. Yeah. And LATAM is also... Delta, I don't know if they are back to owning part of LATAM or did they divest Mm -hmm. that? No, they they still do. Okay, so there you go. That could be a good partnership. Yeah, no one needs wide bodies right now, though. We we just talked about the the international travel and how it's yeah. not coming back. No one no one needs these. No one needs right them now. No. Well, for JAL and these thirteen Pratt and Whitney triple sevens, I mean, this is an easy fix. The volume is down. This is not a huge issue for JAL. They probably don't need to use them anyway. Yeah. Well, they were scheduled to retire in a year. Yeah. So they're they're not really losing out. It, it, it wasn't like it was something that had never been on the books for retirement. Right. And Doug, we got to look at this. I don't know, is Pratt & Whitney even making wide-body engines anymore? Because on the 777, you hear about GE and Rolls-Royce. On the A350, it's Rolls-Royce. I don't mm-hmm. even hear about Pratt & Whitney wide-body engines. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. I mean, this is where we needed Greg, our, our uh, engineer buddy, Greg, who knows everything about the engines. Pratt & Whitney makes the geared turbofan engines, I believe, for the A220. Okay. I, I think so. so. I, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, wide body. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Another international story. This is from Forbes. Low cost, long haul airlines have always failed. Norse Atlantic will try it again. That's the title of the article. The first paragraph of the article about sums it up. They say, quote unquote, low cost and long haul is back, declares the new Norse Atlantic Airways website. It doesn't say it never worked before, but we'll try it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. That's so, it's kind of sassy. Uh, and then it says the new Norwegian-based airline will operate 787s on transatlantic low-cost flights, much like its predecessor, Norwegian, who ditched long haul and is on life support due to COVID-19. Norse was founded by the same person who founded Norwegian. His name is Bjorn Kjos. He's an ex-fighter pilot. Uh, most operations will be from Ireland. Uh, to destinations such as New York, LA, and Miami. The airline still needs approval from the US DOT before it can begin flight operations. Doug, do you think it's going to work this time? No, I don't. <laughs> you <didn't laughs> want to think about it? I, I mean, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago about Norris when we were talking about Norwegian. Mm. I, I I don't. And, and here's the reason why long haul, low cost long haul doesn't work. The airplanes are in the air for eight, 10, 12 hours uh, at a time on a flight Mm -hmm. from somewhere in Europe to somewhere in North America or wherever else they go. So that's, you can't really have a 
a quick turn time on that airplane, yeah. right? So you, if you're doing a route, some routes might require two airplanes to fly the daily service because you can't have it get to say Miami, turn around and fly back. You would have to have another airplane. Long story short, there are a lot of costs associated with this. Low cost short haul can work because you have the same asset, uh, 737, let's say for Southwest, that can start the morning in Raleigh and end the day in Oakland and yeah. have seven, eight, nine short jumps throughout mm -hmm. the day where you have brand new paying passengers on every single flight. Yeah. You can't do that on long haul. You have no, a, an airplane that is flight. twice as expensive mm -hmm. that is flying a single flight a day, maybe two yeah. flights a day. That's why it doesn't work. Yep. And the turn times are longer. Like usually like a good aircraft utilization rate it, Southwest is a good example. They have a 13 hour daily utilization rate. The aircraft is in the air more than it is on the ground. Yeah. You know, well, and, and not only that, Drew, the, the utilization rate for a low cost long haul airline would probably match that of Southwest. Yeah. Because they're flying long flights. Right. You have to look at the, the average daily segments for that particular airplane too. That's where they make their money. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it, it they have good aircraft utilization, but it's- It's a single one, flight. A couple of segments, yeah. A couple, yeah, a couple segments. The only way I can see this succeeding is if they use a different model. So not just low class, low, low class. <laughs> not just low. <laughs> nice, nice Freudian slip. <laughs> not just low cost, but use a model like JetBlue where it's an attractive product to mm -hmm. business travelers where it's um not it's not a live flat but it's a comfortable first class seat at a good price that could attract high paying leisure travelers or business travelers. Mm -hmm. All right, so our last article today is from the Wall Street Journal and it says United Airlines plans to begin training pilots in new academy this year. Anticipating a shortfall of pilots as demand returns, United turns its attention to future training. We covered this story way back in what yes. we call the before times. This was February of last year, I think, uh -huh. when, when United announced that they purchased it. Yeah. It's an Arizona-based flight school, and the idea is they're going to recruit and train pilots. It's called the United Aviate Academy, and they said that they plan to enroll 100 students this year with an initial class of 20 students beginning in the third quarter. The training pi pipeline will eventually guarantee jobs at United, who despite the pandemic says it needs 5,000 new pilots through 2030. Hmm. And with travel demand rising to COVID era, era, COVID era highs, and Drew, we, we haven't talked about TSA for a while. We've been over a million for almost an entire month at this point, over a, mil so, over a million screenings. So you're saying there hasn't been a single day of less than a less million? Less than a million in the last oh, month. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. And the airline is looking to the, because of this, the airline is looking to the future strength of the industry with its program because United sees that the rebound is here and they're, they're pushing ahead. Right. So this brings us back to when we discussed this before. So carriers in Asia have this thing, maybe even in Europe too, because they need pilots so badly uh, called ab initio training and mm -hmm. ab initio in Latin apparently means from nothing. Mm -hmm. So you're taking people from high school or from college and putting and getting them into training to be a pilot, even though they don't have your, their private pilot's license. Now, this brings us back to our last episode where we were talking to John, who's a flight mm -hmm. instructor. <laughs> and uh, he was saying that some of these um, kids that come over from Asia, 
they haven't even driven a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, he's, he said this is their first motor vehicle is an airplane. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be that soon in their career. I think they probably have a driver's license and many of them probably have private pilot's licenses. Yeah. So, yeah, but, I, I think to be competitive to even get into the Aviate Academy right now, from what I was, was reading, hmm. you have to have some sort of aviation background. Right. In, right now for the initial one. But the idea yeah. is, is, like you said, they can take them from zero to everything within their own their own umbrella, their program. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this before. This is a good way. So these pilots, their first job won't be with United. It'll be with one of their express carriers. Mm -hmm. But United can follow their career from start to getting to United. And it's easier to hire the better ones Mm -hmm. and weed out the ones that are not that good early in the process Mm -hmm. before they're already flying for mainline. And then it's like, okay, we made a mistake with this one. We'll see. I mean, do you think that Delta and uh, American will look at something like this too? I'm sure they will. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they already have been looking uh, and then the pandemic hit and that's not really the time to, to go investing in something like this. I think they're going to have to, and we've talked about the pilot shortage that it really, it's a, it's a real thing and it's going to get really bad here in the next five plus years. This is a way to hopefully try and help that. It's not going to diminish it completely, uh, but I, I think that this is where airlines are going to have to start going, is, is yeah. programs like this. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, especially if um, they need five thousand pilots. Yeah, thirty. All right, for our main topic this week, we're going to talk about something that has come up frequently in previous episodes: health passports. They've been in the the news again this week, Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so several news outlets have uh, reported this week that airlines are really pushing for health passports as a means to open international travel. However, as COVID has wrecked industry finances, most airlines want their governments to pay for them. The U.S. said this week that there will be no federal mandate to require a vaccination credential for U.S. citizens, saying that the issue was pitched by the private sector and that's where it will be solved. Many airlines worry that without coordination between world governments, international travel might struggle to reopen or that if other governments do work together in the US doesn't at least coordinate for a uniform set of guidelines, US-based travelers might be left out further hurting the airline recovery in both the US and airlines that hope to, again, serve the US. So we wanted to talk about this, Drew, and and just see where we, I I know we've talked about the health passports in, in previous episodes, but this is, it seems like this is the first week where airlines and governments have kind to have kind of come to a little bit of an impasse and it's not just yeah. in the us it's other places around the yeah. world some of the articles that we found talking about this it was the uk it was the us it was other places in europe where right. the airlines say we want this but the governments are saying then you can pay for it you can figure it out mm-hmm. i think that's a little <laughs> worrisome to me yeah they got to work together but the problem is bigger than that it's not just the governments it's the citizens so in this country we still have a lot of people that are resistant to getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I think they're resistant and, you know, they have some reasoning about sharing that with the corporation. So now I'm going to share my health information with United or Delta. Do I really want to do that? Mm-hmm. What will they ask for next? Do you, have you had a flu vaccine? Do you need a flu vaccine before you can fly? I don't know. I mean, but I, I would say now you've heard of these universities. There's a lot of universities in the U.S., that are requiring the students to be vaccinated before they come to school. Mm -hmm. So just hear me out. So if everyone's vaccinated 
it's I think it's feasible to have classrooms that are mask free mm -hmm. and they can get back to a sense of norm normalcy. Mm -hmm. But you have to require everyone to get a vaccine. And that, that's the that's, that's the, problem. the hard part. Yeah, that's the hard part because people don't trust it. Uh, well, all everyone doesn't trust mm -hmm. getting the vaccine. Or maybe if they reach a certain percentage of people that are vaccinated, say 80%, maybe that's enough safety that if a couple of them are not vaccinated, everyone else is. So there's still a certain level of safety. I don't know yeah. what you think. I and mean, this this would apply to an airplane too. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely would. Um, I... <laughs> I, I, I get it from both sides. It, this is a really difficult issue. I, I understand the government saying that it's not their responsibility to create something that will open up more, more business for that particular company, in this case, yeah. the airlines. Right. But at the same time, I feel like the airlines do so much to push gross domestic product to yes. to bring people in commerce. to increase the taxes the commerce etc right that they should also possibly be looking out for that saying if if we help maybe work together mm -hmm. where the airlines pay for part of it and the government pays for part of it yeah it shouldn't just be one one or all i i get it from the airline side too because they're still bleeding cash there mm -hmm. and and they don't they don't really have the resources right now to create a health passport or, or something like that it's again that this comes back to collaboration. It's going yeah. to have to be a collaborative effort if we're going to do something like this. Well, and the other thing is competition. So in the US, we don't want the US to be left behind. So Singapore and the UK are already using a, um, a health passport mm -hmm. between Singapore and London. So if they get it going, we don't want to be at the back of the pack to creating something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, because um, just like you said, the government has one of their duties is to facilitate interstate commerce. We live in a global economy now. Mm -hmm. I think they also have a responsibility to facilitate international commerce because that that helps our tax base. Right. That helps our companies, not just the airlines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think about this because you, you said, do people want to share that information? And if they mm -hmm. do, what what would come next? I'm trying to think if there are other examples out there of of places where we we have or do have to share that information that we could say it's no different than yeah. than this. I can't think of any. I know that there are requirements that you get certain shots to go to certain countries. I, I was about to say that because the I, I have one of those yellow. Um, yellow books, I guess you could say with my yeah. um, yellow fever shot listed on it, my uh, malaria shot listed on it. Okay. Certain, certain countries, uh, like when we went to Costa Rica for our honeymoon, mm -hmm. we had to prove that we were vaccinated against certain things when we went. Yeah. So we are, we already do have that for, for certain international travel. Well, it could be like the TSA checkpoint where you're required to do certain things. And you you can come back and say, well, I'm not going to do that. And the government says, yeah, you don't have to do it, but then you can't travel on an airplane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And an airplane, um, an airline is a private company. So I would think that they could enforce any rule that they want because they were enforcing the mask. The mask. Before. The, the, yeah. Before it was a federal mandate, they're already yeah. doing that. And they're, they're legally able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, and we're not even to the point in the U.S. where crew members or airline employees are mandated to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So if I'm an airline CEO 
and I have a triple seven that's going to Europe, I think I would want my whole crew vaccinated, number one, to protect them. And number two, also to protect our customers, because mm-hmm. that would be horrible if uh, an employee gave one of the customers the virus. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and some of these airlines are 100% vaccinated. I think Emirates and Etihad, 100% of their crews vaccinated. So they don't even have a choice. It may go to the Supreme Court. You know, if the airlines mandate that, I think this is something that might go all the way up. But then, yeah, it's it's tough. So I mean, we're we're in the recovery phase now, and and this is the new part of the recovery phase is is trying to figure out this whole personal information against what what the company is asking. I, I think that this is not the first time that that we're going to see issues like this coming up in in the recovery. Well, and the other the other thing, Doug. I mean, this this may be a problem. Just just works itself out organically because once the positivity rate is down to like one percent, is it even an issue anymore? Yeah, but it's. I I think it's gonna be a long time before we get there. Maybe yeah. not in this country, but worldwide, where we really can start to open up and and have more of that international travel. I think it's it's gonna be a long time before we get there. Yeah. So it's not over yet. So we'll have more material for you on COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we move on to something more positive? Yeah, please. We received a wonderful five-star review this week from Chris Kappa. And Drew, I believe you know Chris. <laughs> you, you've got the honors to talk about this one. Okay, so I did not tell Chris to write this. So Chris is um, my childhood best friend from elementary school and high school. And uh, let me just read his review because uh, we're going to try and drag him on the show because I think he's an <laughs> geek. He's a closet geek. He's a closet geek. <laughs> Um, so he wrote, Drew and Doug are simply awesome in providing an informative and fun weekly update in all things aviation. I grew up with a father in aviation, so while I've been imparted with a love of travel and planes on and planes on the periphery, this podcast certainly bolsters it. More importantly, I personally experienced the beginning of Drew's love for airplanes in elementary and high school, so I know the passion is real and genuine. Not that it doesn't <laughs> come uh, come across on the show. It is personally heartwarming to know he achieved his passions and is living his dream. Can't wait to hear more. P.S. I will never see street tacos the same again. You're, you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> so, Doug, you and I are, quote unquote, both living the dream. So I just wanted to share with uh, our viewers that are not, quote unquote, living the dream, some things that are not, were not part of the dream. So, <laughs> When I'm there at three until 3 a.m. every night during the summer trying to clean up the mess from thunderstorms, that was not part of the dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I'm uh, working Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day while everyone else is, you know, stuff in their face, that's not living the dream. And when everyone has a snow day, right, everyone's making snow angels, they're happy, they're like <laughs> frolicking in this beautiful snow, I'm going to work. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, and with the snow, you you had to stay in the hotel a couple times. This, yes, I had to stay in a hotel. It was so bad. Yeah. I had to stay in a hotel for three days, you know, while everyone is home, you know, um, with their hot cocoa in front of a fire, you know, in a bathrobe. And, and, uh, you know, in a Norman Rockwell painting. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any examples of how you're living the dream, Doug? Oh, absolutely. And we, we talked about this a little bit. I can't get into too many details about where it was, but when you're about ready to go to bed and the phone rings and they tell you, Hey, we need you to go fly tonight. And then you end up flying an eight hour flight right after you were about to go to bed. That yeah. is definitely not living 
living living the dream <laughs> or we've talked about this one too on the show self-catering where i might have a 16-hour flight from from the u.s to asia somewhere yeah. and we, we don't have any food it's not mm -hmm. like we're we're delta united american where it's catered i have to right. stop at safeway on the way to the airplane and, and pick up a subway sandwich and a bag of chips that will get me through the entire flight. Well, and that's the thing, Chris, um, Chris is really smart. So when we were going to school, he was like the smartest kid in class all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's done really well and he has an office job. So Chris, I know you're listening. You're able to have a proper lunch where you probably leave your office and go sit down in a nice restaurant, you know, you know, with a, salad and a you know wait waiter service and stuff <laughs> i'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich at my desk while i'm working that's my lunch because mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't leave for 30 minutes like is the whole operation going to stop for 30 well, minutes while he, i go have he's probably going to come back and, and say yeah that's our our imp imp uh impression of what his job is but he's he's like no i'm doing excel spreadsheets while i'm eating my lunch and you guys yeah. think that i'm living the dream going out to nice lunches right <laughs> we, no. we, we we all have this this glamorous idea of other people's <laughs> careers yeah i imagine him like madman where you know he has this uh, <laughs> he's got his scotch and his whiskey office. yeah <laughs> it's like two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> no we have something at work called uh you know the airlines have their emergency delay kit where you have to pop it open if the plane's on a taxiway for two hours and it has mm -hmm. Biscoff and you know, it's an emergency delay kit. It's an EDK. So we have that too. So in the office, I'll be like, all right, I got the emergency delay kit. Our emergency delay kit is like a six pack of Cinnabon, <laughs> which we're like, like when we get into massive, irregular, all right, I'm breaking out the emergency delay kit, <laughs> which will be this really bad food. It makes things a little bit better because no one can leave their desk. Yeah. Wait, you're, you're, you're calling cinnamon bad food? Yeah, it's horrible. It's like 500 calories of cinnamon roll. Oh, but it's so good. It's so good. So now this is a quick, a real quick tangent. So when I'm on, a, on the treadmill for 45 minutes, I look at how many calories I'm burning. A quarter of the Cinnabon. Well, almost. So it's 700 calories that I'm burning. Or no, 500 when I'm mm -hmm. jogging for 45 minutes. One Cinnabon is 700 calories. <laughs> <laughs> so a 45 minute run isn't even a full Cinnabon. For a roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. Is that depressing? It's so good. <laughs> All right. Anything else about? No. But, no. no, but you, let's, let's round that out though. So, I mean, I'm throwing out the horror stories, but it really is living the dream. No, th thank you though, Chris. That was, that was a really great, really great feedback. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, one of, he said he's an av geek in periphery. Mm -hmm. So when he's on, that's going to be the title of our episode. We're going to drag him in. But with Chris, Doug, there's so many, there's so many connections. Mm -hmm. So Chris's dad was a mechanic in the Air Force mm -hmm. where you work. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It really is a small world. Yeah. And then he left the Air Force to go work for the airlines. Okay. And then Chris has his own stories about non-revving and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, we, we definitely need to have him on. Yeah. And I used to drag him and other friends out to the airport to watch the planes. And at first they're like, what are we doing? But then they started getting into it too. Mm-hmm. So Chris and I will have a fake fight on the show about which logo was better, was it Jal or Delta, you know. All right, we have one final thing to cover before we end this week. Doug, we're now less than a month away from our northern flights, our AvGeek trip up to Anchorage. 
As a reminder to listeners, Doug and I are inviting everyone to join us in Anchorage, May 9th through 10th for our 24 hours of plane swatting in the beautiful state of Alaska. We're currently putting together a general plan for the event, which we'll publish in the next couple of weeks. Please send us an email if you're going or are planning on going so that we can share important information with you in the days and weeks leading up to the event. You can email us at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com or you can just go to uh, nexttripnetwork.com. Just send us a message on there. And I I even have a page for uh, Northern Flight so you can go straight to that. But any comment you send us, we we will make sure we get and we reply to. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at nexttrippodcast. Tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 72, operating on April 12th, 2021. This is Doug. I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts. Yep. <laughs> we can't just read the words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Good day. Welcome. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs>